0: Ecclesiastes chapter 10, the first 11 verses tonight. We have been talking about wisdom for quite a while now. It is spread throughout this book. It really doesn't leave. There is a great need for it. We shared last week that there is no guarantee of the perfect outcome of applied wisdom even in a situation because we're in a fallen world and sometimes the world thinks they get a little victory here and there. But ultimately, God's taking care of everything. And But what do we say about the fact that, that though we do live and walk in the wisdom of the Lord, sometimes, sometimes things are just going to turn out a different way than what we would like. We need to dismiss the fleshly thought of let us just live any way we want then because wisdom is better than foolishness. No matter how wisdom turns out in certain little situations in life, wisdom is better than foolishness. And so we've talked about how good wisdom is. There is an encouragement to walk in wisdom no matter what. Another encouragement to walk in wisdom no matter what the outcome is, is what happens without wisdom. Hurtful things happen without wisdom. We're going to look at some examples tonight in chapter 10 of what happens without wisdom. Let us look at The first verse, as we'll consider a lack of wisdom here, as we get a picture of it, dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So doth a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. The apothecary made perfume. Make good smelling stuff. And, and you've heard the statement, the saying before, there's a fly in the ointment. Well, we, we, we see where that comes from here. The apothecary has, has all of his ingredients and, and he's making perfume and he's got to be very, very careful because if a fly gets in the ointment, it's going to change the fragrance of the perfume, and not for the better. Dead fly is going to stink. It's going to cause some stink. I walked into the gas station down here years ago, and there was a sign that said, "Please excuse the smell." It's the all the it's the it's the mass of dead crickets on our roof, and man, it was a weird, awful smell. I don't know how bad the fly makes the perfume smell, but he doesn't make it smell good. The apothecary has got to be very careful when making the perfume. Think about that, though. Think about this long, meticulous process of these compounds and these things that are brought together and the aim of, of this long process that this person is very skilled in, with an aim to make something that smells good, one little thing happens along the way, and it causes his creation to stink. That's, that's supposed to be a pleasing smell. It ends up being putrid. And how about you and I as children of God? God is working in our lives. He is maturing us. He's growing us. He's raising up his children. The leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life is convicting us and and we're growing in wisdom. We're asking God for wisdom and we're learning how to apply wisdom to life. But then but then there's there's that moment, there's that day, or there's a, there's a time of, of relaxing a little too much, and we slip, and we do not act in wisdom on a situation. And there's a, there's a danger in acting, even in one is, instance, without seeking the wisdom of God. Some people will... Hold it against you, your, your reputation. And, and there's just a warning here as to what can happen in, in, in one occasion of not applying wisdom. And, and so let us take that and realize how important it is to continually walk in wisdom, to continually ask God for more wisdom. Now now that's not to say someone can't suffer in reputation unjustly. You know, we're blame, we're we're to be blameless but that doesn't mean we're not going to be blamed for something. There are there are those who will unjustly accuse us of things. Some people will make exterior judgments without being on the interior and knowing what even transpired in a particular experience of a situation you know and 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 in that we might also consider an unfairness in one out of character judgment of some of someone it's out of their character it's not normal you know they're they are the way they were one out of character thing and and everything's getting right with the Lord, and they're walking with the Lord again, it's unfair to, to make one judgment and hold it against somebody for, you know, a, a flash of a situation. I was taught, granddaddy taught me, when, when you find a good, I can say Christian, any Christian, but, but the way he said, when you find a good man, stand behind him. Hold him up and support him. And know that he's not going to be perfect. But you find a good man, you, you hold him up. And, and you help him out. Nevertheless, sometimes there is a price to pay in an instance of a lack of wisdom. And, and so, may we see the urgency to continually, continually seek the wisdom of God in verse two, the left is without wisdom. I'm not making anything out of this. You're making something out in your head about it, maybe, but that's just how I title this section in this verse. The left is without wisdom. Let look. Let's read it. A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart at his left. The only other church I pastored, there was a wonderful deacon in the church. He's still there now. He's probably been in the church 60 years by now. Anyway, he always sat on the right side. And I don't remember what event was going on, but there was all kind of space on the left side. But he crowded himself into the right side. And I said, and I said hey, you can, you can sit over here. There's plenty of elbow room. He said, well, the sheep sat on the right. And the goat's set on the left, so I'm sitting over here. I mean, Jesus did speak of the sheep on His right hand and the goats on the left. But the right speaks of positive. The right does speak of, of good. It indicates here a desire to make the very best decision possible. Some decisions are not easy. They're all easy for the Lord but they're not easy for us. Some decisions, we really need the wisdom of God. And that help for decisions that we make. And and sometimes, the best decision can be a hard decision to make. Sometimes, we'll even be hurt by the decisions we make because of the misunderstanding of others. Sometimes the best decision to make calls for great sacrifice. So the wise will make the best decision. What happens in hard decisions that we make and we have to make the right decision and make it in the right way? Well, if our heart is at thy right hand, if we're seeking the wisdom of God, we, peace falls on us for that. The foolish, the left, they make the easy decision. Man, there, I mean, there is what we think we picture anyway as the easy way out of something. And the foolish flock to that. It takes wisdom to do the best thing. No matter what. The left is without wisdom though. There, there is a look without wisdom. Lack of wisdom has a look. Look at verse 3. Yea, also when he that is a fool walketh by the way, his wisdom faileth him. And he saith to everyone that he is a fool. I used to stop in a neighborhood convenience store. And the whole neighborhood did. The community did. And if anyone wrote a check that didn't go through, the owner of the store taped that check up to the glass by the register. And everybody coming in and everybody going out would see what they did. They would see that check. And some people would be whispering, I know so and so, I can't believe they did that. And so the store owner would advertise this foolishness of this person. But, but no one really has to advertise for the fool. The fool advertises for themselves by his foolishness. What he says and what he does will reveal what he is. His behavior will tell all. He'll be very disconnected. You know, there's, there's a flow of what's right, and they'll just be very disconnected from it, and be very unreasonable as well. Even if the fool tries to hide his foolishness, he can't for very long. You can paint the well whatever color you want, but the true water is going to flow. So there is a look when there is no wisdom. But let's look at leaving. Leaving is without wisdom. Let me go ahead and and sand off the rough edges of this before we get started. Because, Because there are reasons why you would you would leave a job. You know, there are there are reasons. If if a job a company asks you to sin, you know, uh, you you can leave. You leave that. <laughs> if if you have no other choice but do the job the way they want and it's wrong against God, you leave. Uh, this isn't this isn't a statement I'm trying to make or an opinion I'm trying to persuade about about uh a covid vaccination but but i think if a job tried to demand you to do that uh you know you you take the opportunity to go it, you know and there, and there are many other things there are many other cases of if you have a landlord and they are you know mistreating you doing you wrong where you live you know and and trying to suck more money out of you than 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 what they should be you know it's, it's time to up and leave so, so let that be... No, you just put that sandpaper in wherever it belongs. As we look at verses 4-7, through seven, look at the beginning of verse 4. If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place. You know, there, there are situations where... We're in a position where we're under authority. And there is a great need for an application of wisdom when we are under authority. Whether it be a parent with a child, I mentioned a landlord with a renter, a teacher with a student, a mayor with a city, a boss with an employee. There are many temptations to get out from underneath authority. Some go down the road to another job and they learn that there's a worse boss than the boss that they left out there. Many times it, it happens. Don't quit. Don't quit is the advice. Don't You know, we're always under authority. Uh, you know, there's the joke, kids go ahead and move out while you're 18 years old and you know everything. And to go ahead and go now, I'll, I'll never forget uh, brother Ben Watson preaching here. And and he, he moved out and he lived in his truck. He wanted out from underneath authority so bad. Next thing you know, he gets down the road and I don't know, he has a place. He, got a, he got, has some rent, has some utilities. And he's like, man, it's expensive to live out. I want to go back home to mom and dad. It's expensive out here. But he was so ready to run and get out from underneath authority. I always like to tell the teenagers, when I was up there, you're always under the authority of God, and it's, it's good practice. There, there, there's all kinds of authority that's laid out in this world, and, and we're, we're to submit to it. It's not perfect, but we're to submit to it. Don't quit will be what happens when we apply wisdom even if we're right and the one in authority is wrong, don't quit. It's still, we're still to continue, and it's difficult. It can be hard, but don't leave. It might seem bad. It might seem bad, and we want to act in an urgency sometimes, and take off, and then things can get worse. It's so important that we slow down and realize what we need from God. We need a, a special dose of wisdom in a particular case. And we've got to slow down before we, before we, before we act. And, and if we're honest, it's, it's fleshly motivation that's causing us to want to act and move. Words of wisdom... Says, don't tell the boss I quit. Never leave a job without having another one. At least two. Leaving. What, what is this? What is, what is it about this? If the spirit of the ruler rise up against thee, leave not thy place. What, what's this all about? Leaving burns bridges. Leaving causes a matter to be unresolved. Leaving can deprive us of the opportunity to grow in a situation where where there is rebelliousness, there there is clashing, there is conflict, and learning how to resolve the conflict. We've missed... An opportunity there. So many times. Leaving severs the attempt at reconciliation. Leaving does not give us peace. Paul wrote, If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Push push for peace. Under all authority. Look at the end of verse 4. For yielding pacifieth great offenses. In most cases, it's better to yield right or wrong. When the authority is right, when the authority is wrong. It's, it's, It's simply better to do that than to push it to the limits with authority to prove to them we're right. As I'm talking about this, I'm, I'm thinking about areas I failed in this when I was when I was young. We we can still fail all of our lives, but, but I but instances come to my mind under authority from from my twenties when I failed in this area. And so I, I believe I believe what God's word is saying here tonight. It really is it really is better to yield than to push the point that we're right. You know, there's there's a lot of people who can argue and fight better than we can. And and they 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 might even say they're wrong, they seem to win temporarily. Man, there's a lot of things that we just need to let go. We we learn, we learn to let some things go. And it's better that way. Look at verse 5. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun as an error which proceedeth from the ruler. How about that? Everyone in authority is not perfect, is not right. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be a perfect authority figure if we were in that place of authority. Because no one's going to be perfect. So we can't hold leaders, rulers, uh, bosses, and parents to being perfect. Some children have made the statement that I'm not going to make the mistakes my parents made in marriage and parenting. And then they get down the road and enter into marriage and they start seeing mom and dad a little different, even though they had a slight disagreement every now and then. Or, raising the kids, we, everything just didn't go right. And they're raising kids now, and, and the more time that goes on, a lot of times, in a lot of cases, it's probably like, wow, mom and dad did a pretty good job. This was pretty hard. Many in different aspects of authority have some training. But there's also some learning that comes along the way. Some in authority have done the very best they could with the experiences they had and the wisdom they sought from God as they were growing in taking care of extremely difficult circumstances. Truth be told, they did better than we would in a whole lot of cases, even though we might not think that from the outside. But there are, there are unwise, unfair issues. Look in verse 6 with me now. Folly is set in great dignity. Many abuse leadership. Many show partiality in leadership. Some people are the boss's pet. And others are a better employee, producing more, working harder, maybe more deserving of the promotion. And the boss's pet gets it. It, it, That happens in this world. It's going to happen. And the rich sit in low place. The emphasis here concerning the rich, this isn't negative about the rich. This is speaking of those deserving of a promotion, but they did not get it. Kind of similar to what I said in the beginning of this verse. The literal rich, you you know, literally looking at rich, rich isn't bad. I kind of thought that when I was saved. I was just, I worship with so many poor saints, and man, they were the best Christians, I thought. And... And, and I learned, and then I met more Christians. And there's great Christians of all different types of wealth status. And, and you can't hold it against somebody for, for, for being rich. And uh, they're deserving of a, of a promotion in, in situations. Look at verse 7. I have seen servants upon horses and princes walking as servants upon the earth. Usually the person of high position would ride the horse and the servant would have walked. But today, sometimes the less deserving seem to get what others should. Don't don't let this get under your skin and change your life and hinder you and and hold you back. Solomon is just saying from worldly experience that this is the way it is. We need, we need wisdom no matter what. There's a lot of unfair dealings, and the quick decision to walk out, to quit, to leave without applying wisdom is not the thing to do. Let's look at some lessons on operating without wisdom in verses 8-11. through 11. There's a lesson in digging a pit here. He that diggeth a pit shall fall into it. I couldn't stand the stairs in my daughter's apartment in Georgia. First of all, because they were 16 hours away from me. But another reason, because on this corner step, I almost fell. Right back of where where I'd come up out of, I almost fell right back in it. Digging digging a pit is sometimes necessary. But be careful, we might fall right back into what we created. You know, as we look at this as an analogy though, sometimes we dig a pit in life that is unnecessary. And there we fall in it and we blame others. We blame everyone but ourselves for the pit that we created, that we fell in, creating our own problems and bringing danger upon ourselves. Last night, I I listened to a little video of a sports commentator talking about an athlete. And that athlete... And, and he was right. That athlete has blamed every team and most every coach for, for his dissatisfaction, his lack of contentment, the problems and why he left from here and went to there and went to this place. And he said, the problem is you. You're and he spelled out his recent history with such clarity that there was no argument about it. He was the problem, but he blamed everyone else. We, we sometimes dig a pit and we fall into it and, and, and blame it on someone else. Look at the end of verse 8. And whoso breaketh and hedge, a serpent shall bite him. You might think of trespassing on someone's property as breaking a hedge there's a few things you could look at there break breaking a hedge I, I've seen, I've seen properties outlined with hedges before my cousin used to walk from his house to grandma and grandpa's house and he walked through Mr. McDonald's property to get there and it saved him about 8 minutes or so rather than walking around and Mr. McDonald would just wave. He was a little kid, 10 or 11 years old. He would just wave. And my cousin would go by. My cousin got a little older, became a teenager. I can't fill in all the blanks, but Mr. McDonald started having some things missing from his property. He put up a fence around his property with no trespassing on it. And my cousin, who used to have a 10-minute walk ended up having almost a 20-minute 20 20 minute walk to grandma and grandpa's. When we do wrong, we suffer the consequences. Whoso breaketh an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. A good Sunday school teacher I was under one time, and he just simply said, if you hit your thumb with a hammer, it is going to hurt. There are, there are consequences. Mr. McDonald forgave my cousin. Just a little something extra here. Mr. McDonald forgave my cousin, but he didn't build a gate for him to keep going through the property. Just because there's forgiveness, that doesn't mean there's not consequences and changes that take place as a result of our actions. And, and that's what happened there. Whoso breaketh in the hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Verse 9, Whoso removeth stones shall be hurt therewith. Out in the country, you might even still see some property lines with with stones lining the property line. People real particular about their property line. You know, they come out and have a survey every couple of years. Just they don't want their neighbor mowing a lap over on their property. People are particular about that. Whoso removeth stones shall be hurt therewith. You know, sometimes there's homemade mortar with these stones, sometimes they're just loose stones. And and the understanding was don't mess with the stones. Mom and dad would teach the kids what that meant. Don't mess with the stones. People are serious about every square inch of their property. There's, we're looking at acting with wisdom and, and without wisdom in these things. And so the end of verse 9 says, And he that cleaveth wood shall be endangered thereby. I was helping my brother to cut a tree down one time and I I guess a little brother here was trying to show off and show how handy I was with a chainsaw. And my brother said, do you realize you're coming that close to your leg every time you cut through? He said, let me get you an axe and work with that. That'll be safer. And I said, people aren't the only thing that flies off a handle, brother. Uh, That that axe head, it'll fly off that handle and, and that'll hurt. All... All four of these illustrations are to teach us. You can, you can glimpse at this in a literal sense. You look at it figuratively, and they all, they all teach us that we must be cautious in life. And we need the wisdom of God. We need to have it. We need to get knowledge. And then we need, to, we need the wisdom to be able to apply that knowledge in, in everything, in every area. Things, you know, a situation presents itself immediately in our lives. This is a fast-paced world that we live in today. And, and it's, instant rea- it's instant actions and it's instant reactions. And we never know what we're going to face on a, given, on a given day. And the Bible says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We need to be able to apply the wisdom of God to life. The playbook of life is, is right here, and we have everything we need. And we need to know it, but it doesn't do any good just to know it for our lives. We need to apply it to our lives. And that's what these four illustrations are doing to help us. Look at verse 10. If the iron be blunt, and he do not wet the edge, then must he put to more strength. But wisdom is profitable to direct. Kind of simple to see what we're doing here. We need to prepare. We need to be prepared to be able to walk in wisdom in different situations I think, of, I think of Daniel and he purposed in his heart that he wasn't going to defile himself. Preparation ahead of time and we need preparation with wisdom. That's very profitable. Look, last verse, verse 11. Surely the serpent will bite without enchantment and a babbler is no better. We need to be careful around a snake. Don't don't trust a snake. I've killed about 5 snakes on my property in 12 years. And every one of them I went and looked it up, the snake that I killed. None of them were venomous. Not poisonous, David. They they weren't venomous. Teacher taught me that. The snake is Either venomous or non-venomous, not poisonous or non-poisonous. You can take that up with him. If you. So none of them were venomous, and I felt kind of bad that I killed the non-venomous snakes. Somebody said, "I think it's wiser to kill it then go see what it is, than to see it, go look it up, and come back and try to find it, then try to kill it if it, if it was venomous." You don't don't trust a snake. Don't trust a snake. Don't don't kill the babbler, but don't trust the babbler either. Bless his heart. There was a fella that I worked with. Don't you didn't want to tell him a secret around the job. Everybody was going to a good guy, loved him, still love him. Everybody was going to know very fast. The the head boss told them how much the Christmas bonus was going to be one year. Within an hour, every employee knew how much <laughs> it was going to be. And it was supposed to be an exciting thing that they found out at the meeting. Don't, don't, trust, don't trust a bad babbler. I call them Pete and repeat. And so you have to be careful with, with what you share with some people. We must apply wisdom with people who don't play by the rules. If we don't, we'll get hurt, and we'll make matters even worse. And in considering wisdom and foolishness as we close tonight, there, were, there was a king who had a jester, or, or a clown, if you will. And he took his jester around everywhere with him, and this jester said a lot of stupid things all the time, foolish things. And the king finally gave him a staff. And he said, I want you to carry this staff around until you find someone more foolish than you, and then I want you to give it to him." And that gesture carried that staff around a long time. And he got to the point where the king was going to die. And he called his family in and even called servants in and things. And he, he said, I'm about to take a long journey for, for which I will never return from and i just wanted to call you in to say goodbye and his jester said may i ask you a question king and he said go ahead he said he said king every time that you planned a trip to another court or someone else or somewhere else some visit you always had your servants go before you and prepare the way and And for this long journey you're about to take, Your Majesty, I just want to know what kind of preparations you've made for this trip. And he said, he said, I have made no preparations. And he took his staff and he handed it to him. He said, here, I can finally get rid of my staff because I have now come across a fool who is bigger than I. And, and to think about the foolishness of not having it settled in our hearts whether we have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior or not. I tell you what, the, I don't want to get into talking to, about doubts and whether a Christian can doubt, but whatever the case, the slightest doubt that can come over someone, that is definitely something to investigate and consume yourselves with God about. Because God's not the author of confusion. And and when we meet Jesus Christ in our hearts, there is peace with God. And we realize we have gone from hostility against God. We really didn't love him. We really didn't love his church. We really don't we won't do the things of God. We were hostile against him. And then when we meet Jesus Christ, there's there's peace with God and we live with the peace of God. Have you trusted him as your Lord and Savior tonight? Have all of your doubts been taken away? Have your desires changed to where you love His church and you want to do anything you can because it's the Lord's church here? Transforming. I think that's my favorite subject within the idea of our assurance of salvation. And that is... And that is that we have been created new. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Jesus said you must be born again. Regenerated by the Holy Spirit of God when you believe in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. This is Wednesday night Bible study. You never know. Where we would fail to assume that everyone's saved in Wednesday night Bible study tonight. And we pray that you would settle that with God because as we've talked about foolishness, there is no doubt, it's blanketed over every single person in this entire world that the most foolish thing one can do is to not have that knowing that the Bible says that we have when we have been saved. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Corey Gerard, please close our Bible study in a word of prayer, sir. God bless you all tonight.